Crystal. Very excited to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Paid Copywriter Podcast. I am so thrilled for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Jump right in. Let us know about your background. I know you're living abroad. I'm super curious about your story and how you got to be a copywriter. So my background, I think is very similar to a lot of copywriters. So I'm interested to know if this is how you got into the space or others listening, but I started out doing something else. So I was an elementary school teacher and that took me abroad. So I spent my whole teaching career at international schools around the world and got to live in some really awesome places like Singapore and Munich and Romania and Myanmar. And as nice as it was, uh, especially to be able to go and have access to travel, like from our holidays, the work environment was less than ideal. There was often a lot of political issues, a lot of sexism in the workplace, just a lot of the areas that didn't actually light me up as a teacher. And the part that actually did that was fulfilling work with the students ended up being a very small portion of my job. So I'd always had an inkling to build a business. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I'll be honest with you, my best ideas come from reading a blog. So I read a blog and it was about copywriting and how to write and make money online. And the rest is history. I kind of presented the idea of me quitting my job to my partner, Dale, who's now our marketing whiz in the business. And he was like, this sounds like another crazy crystal idea. And we just structured it. So I quit, learned everything I could about copywriting, just like kind of dove headfirst into it and started the business. And so we kept our lives abroad essentially. And now since owning the business, we've moved from Singapore to Mauritius, which is a teeny island in the Indian ocean. It's kind of nestled between Madagascar and the Maldives. So we're just out here living like a really chill island life at this moment in time. And we'll be here for about another year before we leave. Do you know where you're going next? Oh, that is a very contentious debate between us. We're tossing around a lot of different names of places in Europe. So that we're a little bit closer. My partner's British, closer to his family, a little bit closer to mine. It takes about 40 hours to go back home from Portland, Oregon. So it's about as far around the world as I can go from here. So we're thinking Spain, Italy. We also have our eye on Belize. Yeah, we're not quite sure yet, but we know we eventually need to get off the island and actually have Amazon and like some real world things again. That's amazing. It sounds like you're living a lifestyle that so many people are aspiring to right now. So tell me about like the origin story. So you read these blogs, you became interested in copywriting, but what what did those first like beginning steps look like? The nitty gritty, like what type of clients did you go after? How did you learn? Take us through that. Okay. It was messy. It was so messy. I was so scrappy. I just wanted to figure out my direction first and foremost. And I think a lot of copywriters, especially freelancers, are wanting to figure that out right away because otherwise you feel a bit unhinged, you know, untethered. And so I immediately thought, well, I travel a lot. I have a lot of interest in adventure activities. So I'm going to dig my heels into the adventure travel writing space and doing some copy work, but also some other writing work. And I spent about six months starting a different business to the one that I have now, six months without getting a client, six months with trying my very best, six months of feeling like, is this ever going to start working until I started to understand the market a little bit more. And I started to understand why it wasn't working. And that was only a result of me getting on sales calls with people, me trying to get on sales calls with people, me trying to educate the business owner of an adventure travel company, travel agents about the need for quality copywriting and messaging and realizing, okay, 
there are too many layers in the customer journey, or if we're looking from a copywriting perspective, the phases of awareness, if I'm taking somebody from unaware and then trying to book them as a client, right? So I realized at that point in time, the issue wasn't the actions that I was taking, but it was the niche that I was actually in. And one of the things that I did, again, getting scrappy, is I just reached out to other copywriters who were like copy celebs to me at the time. I was so nervous to message them. And I remember somebody had given me the name of a woman who had previously written in the adventure travel space and she shifted. And they said, you know, I don't know why she changed. Maybe you want to ask her. So before I made my decision to get out of that niche and start a different business and really just different writing style and focus on sales and website copy, I sent her a message and I said, this is where I am right now. This is what I'm experiencing. I'm wondering if this is why you left as well, or am I completely off the mark? And her reply, first of all, she was so lovely. Her reply was, that is exactly it. It's awareness of the audience. And if they don't have that, then it's going to be like pulling teeth. And that's all the confirmation I needed to say, okay, adventure travel writing, not my forte. I'm going to switch over into a new niche. And I ended up in the online entrepreneur space, mainly working with coaches, female founded brands, service providers online and serving them with website and email copy. And like those first stats are really just getting nitty gritty again. And like starting from scratch zero followers on my Instagram account, zero people on my email list. And I know email is one of the things that a lot of freelancers push off. It is the first thing that I did. And that really was a catalyst to a lot of growth in my journey. So when you said that you were doing a lot of education and awareness for these adventure travel companies, was it just that they didn't really see the ultimate value in having good copy and you found yourself having to explain that? So there was too much friction there is what you're saying. Summed up perfectly, yes. Okay, because that's a mistake I see a lot of beginner copywriters make when I look at their online branding is that they're doing, they're, they're creating informational educational content that basically educates people on why they need copy. And my understanding is that if you have to convince somebody that, if you have to educate somebody about what copy is and then educate them on the value of it, you're in a deficit already. You want to insert yourself into the conversations where people already realize the need and the value in copywriting. Yes, exactly right. And that person who recognizes the need and the value is going to come to your website, view your services and inquire. They do not need to read why quality copywriting is the missing piece in their business. They already know it is. And they know that investing in professional is going to be the difference between them or their team member doing it, right? And getting no sales or getting however many sales conversions, depending on the goal of their project that they want. Before we get into email copywriting, because I want to focus our conversation around that. What did it look like when you got those first initial clients? How did you get your foot in the door with them? And how did you understand like, oh, this is what they need, sales pages, the emails. Mm -hmm. How did you learn about launch copy? Okay, so two parts here. First, I'm gonna make us get into email before you planned on it because I got my foot in the door with them literally via my own email list. And like I just said, I started out with zero subscribers like everybody else. And I had been in the space in the online space on Instagram, LinkedIn, listening to copywriters and other online entrepreneurs for a little while. And I knew the value of my email list was going to be really huge. So right away, what I did was start my list and just try to get anybody on it, give a lot of value. So we can go into those details in a moment, but figuring out what to offer was a much bigger question. And I think a lot of freelancers struggle with wanting to 
A, do it all, solve everybody's problems. And it feels like a no brainer at first, because if somebody comes to you and they need blog work, well, they, they probably need social media copy and they probably need a sales page and they probably need emails. And then you end up positioning yourself as this a la carte, you know, jack of all trades copywriter, which in turn hurts you because you're not seen you know, as a direct authority or a leader in any particular skill set. So I knew right away, I didn't want to do everything, but I wanted experience in many things so I could choose which one I did. So I was very lucky. I started my email list. I networked with people in some entrepreneur Facebook groups and I got my first like network referral friend by doing that. And she sent somebody my way who needed a plethora of different deliverables for a funnel project. So I got to practice ad copy. I got to practice a sales page. I got to practice emails and social copy. And from there, from just that one project, I was immediately able to say, well, I like this and I don't like this. And I like this and I don't like this. And sales pages and emails were my favorite piece of that entire experience. So I said to myself, I'm not tied down to anything. You can tell by my background, commitment is something that I am I'm not usually the first to jump into. I like to have free reign, flexibility. So I just told myself, you know what? I'm going to do these two things for a while and at any point I can change. Like there's a get out of jail free card if I decide I don't like something and they really stuck. I've done it ever since I started my business and I've added in website copy. I didn't used to do that, but I got a little bit more interested in brand messaging and that side of things as time went on. But email and sales pages have been my bread and butter for a long time. And they're two primary needed deliverables from most online businesses and brands and even brick and mortar brands. So it's a great profitable deliverable that you can choose. There are many others, but for me, I like to stick into one bigger project and not worry about getting so many small clients like for blogs or social copy. Okay. Got it. Let's get into email because a lot of people, I think my assumption when I first became a copywriter, I understood that I was being hired to write emails. I'm a B2B technology copywriter. So actually I only understood launch copy when I decided to start my online course. Mm. So I had to learn what a sales page was. It was, I was dumbfounded that people were writing really long sales pages because in B2B tech, you have a, a short squeeze page, and then you rely on a mm-hmm. lot of additional content to nurture people down the funnel because it's such a long sales cycle. Whereas mm-hmm. with launch copy, it's more conversion oriented. So I didn't really understand the power of email. I looked at my inbox as that place that promotional flyers from furniture stores and clothing stores came to. And I yes. just was constantly unspamming. Tell me about, let's start high level umbrella. Like why is email important? Why is this so in demand for business owners and what is the power of email? Email is your ticket to choice, your ticket to freedom. If you don't have your own email list, you're tied to something. So you're tied to referrals. You're tied to social media, which we all know you don't own, right? You're tied to like your connections with your existing network and or potentially cold emailing or Upwork or whatever platform or method you're using right now to gain clients. I have I've experienced it firsthand. I have seen so many other copywriters go through the experience of 
not having control over where your next client is coming from a feeling like, Oh, I hope, I hope somebody reaches out to me because I have an opening on my calendar. And when you have an email list, when you cultivate a warm list an engaged list of ready to buy clients, or if you put out digital products, customers, then you have immediate control over your future. You have immediate control over when you're making your next dollar, when you want to do something new in your business and already have a warm and engaged list that you, then you can send that to. So it basically just allows you the choice to control your financial freedom, but then also control your opportunities. That's why I like it because I'm an ideas person. I come up with new ideas all the time. I'll run one-time services or masterclasses or whatever to my audience. And I know I don't need to go and cultivate a list. I don't need to go and find these people. I've already got them there. And I know personally, many people who've lost access to their social accounts, people with, you know, 1000 followers, people with tens of thousands of followers and had to start from the ground up. And the ones that were able to do so, so easily had email lists because they were just there and already warmed up and ready to support the next endeavor of that person. So from a bird's eye view, email is essential, even if you're a freelancer. And I used to think, okay, maybe, especially when I was doing the adventure travel writing business in the beginning, maybe I'll start an email list one day. It was not on my radar at that point in time. A, I didn't feel qualified to have one. Who wants to hear me write about nothing because I don't actually know what I'm going to write about. So that's point B. What am I going to say? Point C is like, well, how would I even find anybody? Right. It's just going to be my mom on there. And that's embarrassing. So in the beginning, even if you're listening to this right now and you're a freelancer, who's just starting out, you've been in business a few years, you're working to your first 5k months. It is still your time to start your email list and getting nitty gritty into that piece is really about your future vision what is it that you want to use your email list for? And we can kind of get into that and how to cultivate a warm and engaged list. But just knowing that even if you don't have a demand or need for it this moment, you're prepping for future you who is going to appreciate that you did this. And tell me about your specific email list, because I, from I'm assuming that you target two different audiences. So you target because you run courses and mentorships and masterminds for freelance copywriters. And then you're probably targeting these women entrepreneurs and founders that you write for, correct? We do. Yes. And things become a lot more complicated when you have multiple ideal clients. So this was a huge learning curve for me in about the first and second year of my business is figuring out the balance of who I was talking to and how I wanted to divvy that up and speak to them. And it all comes down to segmentation, the beauty of identifying who is on your list and being able to make sure as much as reasonably possible that you can give them just the content that's relevant for them. Of course, there are some things that we send to our entire list. So we do have both of those ICAs, ideal client avatars that you mentioned. So we have established six and seven figure entrepreneurs on the list who would be ideal for the Casey Coffee Studio, the micro agency that I have. But then we have a lot of people on the list that are copywriters and marketers who are interested in copywriting and marketing expertise and or business advice. So while some things go out to the umbrella community, a lot of the times we're actually segmenting the list and we're making sure, okay, for our ideal studio clientele, what do we want them to be receiving? For our ideal coaching clients or course students, what do we want them to be receiving? And just making a more personalized experience. I do want to say, and really just add this disclaimer that you do not have to start there. I did not start there. It sounds complicated to have to send to multiple people. This is something we layered in over time because the need arose. And as we grew, we had more resources to do that. So in the beginning, everybody got the same thing and that was fine. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really just a matter of like what, which messaging resonates with which audience that has a specific mm. need, but that 
like you said, comes in time depending on your offer. Let's focus on your studio email writing list when you target your copywriting clients. How does one go about cultivating this email list? How do you get them on the list? And what do you write about in these emails? Mm -hmm. Well, we've got a couple of different lead magnets. And one of the things that we've actually recently started doing is a new newsletter that actually is ideal for both of the ideal clients that we have. So there's a bit of strategy behind this. And this is all from Dale, my business and life partner. And this is called the Copy Classroom Newsletter. This is essentially something we've never seen done before. It is a hands-on practical newsletter where we do audits of copy from our subscribers. So you can submit your copy and I will review it. Dale will review it. We'll audit it, give you our best tips and implementation. And then we also have a lot of different examples from our own experience running the studio. What's actually working on copywriting today? Like that's what's most important because there've been a lot of shifts, especially in the online coaching industry. I'm not sure about your niche this year, but there've been a lot of changes. So currently we're able to create one newsletter that is educational and it does two different things for us. First of all, it educates copywriters and marketers in how to improve their own copy for their own business and of course for their clients so they can get bigger wins. If they want to learn more from us, we've got the courses, we've got the mastermind, and then it builds authority for our primary studio client. So most people investing a good amount of money into their brand messaging and copy want to make sure that the copywriter they're working with has the skills set, the experience is relatable and is actually somebody that they feel like they can 100% trust and hand over a project to. So having the copy classroom newsletter shared with both ideal client avatars allows the studio client the ability to build that trust with us, to see that we know what we're talking about and to see real world examples, because that's what we all want, right? Is like, okay, but how how would you do this in my case? Or show me an example of your work. It's literally just a living document portfolio of our work. On the other hand, we'll send different promotional emails to the studio. So if we've got projects for the next few months that we'd like to get booked out, they're going to hear about it and the rest of the list isn't. Okay. That's really smart because you're proving authority and then you're allowing those people who are impressed by your educational content to book you when they need someone. Mm-hmm. When you said that you set up these separate lead magnets, are you running ads to those lead magnets? How do you generate traffic toward the lead magnet? Great question. Yes. So we do have some other lead magnets as well. For example, to answer your last question, we've got another one, which is your launch copy messaging guide. So we've got examples of messaging. We've got examples of whole launch sequence emails that we've sent in the past to generate six figures for our business and launches. And that's a great lead magnet for both copywriters and the studio client, by the way. For our lead magnets, we actually don't run ads to any of them on a regular basis. We do have some other like funnels set up for different courses that we're actually reworking at this point in time, but our general lead magnets, we've grown the list primarily organically. I would say 85 to 90% organic. And it has been a testament to getting visible, building connections, not being afraid to just put yourself out there and do nervous things that maybe you previously didn't think that you would. There was a day when I wouldn't sit here on a podcast interview years ago when I was a teacher and showing up in this way and being able to serve different communities is one of the best ways that I've been able to, to connect with people, build our list. Yes. But also just like make new friends and, you know, connect with people in such an environment that is often so lonely, so insular, you know, we're, we're always sitting at home in our own silos. So primarily our podcast grows our email list a ton. My Instagram does, and then visibility showing up and doing different events or podcasting just like this often brings new subscribers our way. What would you say to the new freelancers who want to begin building 
a personal brand or putting thought leadership out there, but they're just getting started and they just don't feel expert enough. What would you Mm -hmm. say? Oh, I would say we all start there. I started there. And the best thing I did for myself was just talked about what I knew at that moment in time, like putting the blinders up. I am in a position at every point in my journey. And so are you and yours that you only know what you know right now. There are 20 things ahead of me that I don't know that Crystal in two years from now will look back at what I'm saying and be like, oh, that's so cute. Now you've got all this learned experience and this insight and these skill sets that would add to what you used to know. So just talk about what is right in front of you. What are you doing with projects? And if you're not doing projects, what are you doing in your practice copywriting? Like make projects for yourself to grow your expertise and your skill set. Document that. I did an Instagram story today where I spent two hours putting together a custom survey for one of our client projects that we're going to be sending out to her clients, her email list to gather voice of customer for her project. I spent time just 60 seconds doing an IG story walking people through what we were doing, what we do on projects. That's literally it. Just a behind the scenes of what is your process like? Starting to document that can go a really long way in A, your own self-esteem and confidence, and then B, just showcasing to your potential ideal client or potential person that might refer somebody to you, what you actually do and why you might be a credible copywriter to help them. I love that. That's really, really good advice. Like simple advice, but really powerful Mm -hmm. because especially if you're in a niche where you feel like everybody's such an expert and everybody knows so much more than you, there's like giants in certain industries that it can just feel like, why even bother? Like they know everything and I'm just me, you know? Yeah. That's so well said. I think that's how we all feel at different stages. You're so right. And, and it's about that simplicity that you pointed out. That's key. You do not need a whole marketing team behind you nowadays. You've got AI to help you repurpose and create. You've got your cell phone. That's pretty much all you need. Just get out there and stay consistent with yourself. That's the hardest part. For sure. Staying consistent, not giving up, not getting discouraged. And yes. As, as someone who you mentor copywriters and you host these masterminds, I'm sure you see that giving up out of discouragement too quickly is the it's so frustrating as a teacher and a mentor to want people to stick with it, but people mm-hmm. do get discouraged too quickly. You know what? The thing that I see, if, if you took a bird's eye view and you saw like the women that I, I work with that are copywriters growing their business, the ones that have really rapid and consistent growth versus the ones that have slower growth and a lot more roadblocks, they are just willing to do what it takes. And that might mean that they feel dumb. That might mean that they're doing something out of their comfort zone. They might, that might mean that they're showing up and doing the same thing over and over thinking nobody's reading my emails. Nobody's watching my IG stories, but I promise you people are watching. People are watching more than, you know, especially as podcast hosts, don't you feel like that? It's like, you're always kind of talking and you're like, I know there are people on the other side of this, but it seems really isolating the whole experience on this side of it. So I think it's a good lesson to remember that you at any point in time can see a shift come from what you did prior. So if you stay consistent, put yourself outside of your comfort zone and just show up, then you'll see that change. And that's what I see consistently with those clients is they're just willing to do what it takes. There's no plan B. Right. Such good advice. Let me ask you about the email copywriting process. You mentioned that you had this tone of voice process, gathering tone for your client. For people who are just interested in like, hey, I want to write emails for my freelance mm-hmm. clients. How does a copywriter begin this process? Take us behind the scenes. I know 
first of all, it's really hard as copywriters to explain to other people what we do. I know for me, it is. It's like, I can't explain to you how I wrote that blog post. I'm really bad at that. I'm sure you're much better, but give us kind of an overview of like how one begins to create emails and what's required. I think it's actually just when you have a natural skill at something, it's so hard to articulate it because it it's like second nature, right? Yeah. So it's probably a reflection of your skill set. And and also I was an ESL instructor, which to be, oh. yeah. So when you were talking about teaching, mm-hmm. I was wondering, did you teach English when you were abroad? No, actually I was an elementary teacher. So I taught mainly fourth and fifth grade. Okay. So I was an ESL instructor for adults, which you don't need to know any other language other than English. It's like fully immersive Mm -hmm. for the second language speaker and explaining to someone how to speak English from like a grammar perspective of these skills that you learned so long ago when you were a kid is- Doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Just, so just because you know how to do something doesn't know, doesn't mean you know how to teach it. And that's why- that's such a hard job to do. And that's why even teaching copywriting is such a hard job to do because you sit there and you just, it just comes out, you do it. And then to go back and explain your thought process is really tough. So yes, I, I agree. It is. It is. Yes. But I think we've got a leg up being educators at least, because it's like, we we've had to be in the shoes of, okay, well, how can I explain this? Like, how can I show this? So you're probably a great resource for people. So in terms of our copywriting process, and if you're a freelancer listening to this and you're like, yes, I I know the power of email. I want to do that for my clients and or for myself. What I recommend doing first is starting with research. And this is something that you you probably heard advice on before, you know, do some message mining, collect some voice of customer. But I want to break it down a little bit more for you because this is the most essential part of the project. And this is a part a lot of people just blaze past incredibly quickly and they want to get into the writing process. But the writing process truly is the research process. And I promise you, this is where it can be the most fun as well and inform everything that you do later on. So essentially in our process, I can walk you through that. What we first do is we do an an intensive voice and personality questionnaire with our client. I want to know all the weird things about them. We do a lot of copywriting for brands that have a lot of fun and funky voices. So I want to make sure that they're represented on the page and make sure that their reader also connects to that. So we dive into that first. That's a great layer to have an email. Depends on the industry that you're writing for. You probably do a little less of personality in your industry, but essentially getting a zoomed in version of who you actually are when you're writing from the perspective of your client. And then the majority of our research actually comes from two places. This is what I call, first of all, the inner circle and the public. So the inner circle is your client's immediate network around them inside of their business. So we're looking at their clients, their customers, current and past. We're looking at those that have mentored or worked with them in another capacity. And we are doing intensive interviews. So we get on Zoom one-on-one and we ask them questions about their experience working with our client, what it was like. But more importantly, we ask questions like, where were you in your journey when you decided to hire them? Or what objections did you have? Or did you have any hesitations that you didn't voice to her, but almost kept you from investing? Or what was the one thing that made you say, okay, I know that this is the investment I'm going to make and I'm going to pull out my card and I'm going to sign up right now. So getting a finger on the pulse of what their customer journey was like allows us to then say, okay, I can start to see some similarities across the different people that we're interviewing. And I could say there are two or three primary messages here that have stuck out in this voice of customer that 
I know needs to be on the page and reflected for somebody to get over a hurdle or an objection or understand the value of what this person is offering. So that's the first area. Then we expand a little bit in the inner circle and we now survey their email list. Most of our clients have one, but for those that don't, like today, we also sent out our survey to many public places and some of my personal networks as well, because it was relevant for those. So making sure that we can tap into the ideal client for the offer in as many different areas as possible, because I want to leave zero margin for guesswork in the actual copy. So the research phase really will make my life easier in the end and make the copy convert better. So then we're surveying and then we collect everything in like a master spreadsheet we organize it like the nerdy wizards that we are. And we start looking for patterns and say, in this phase of the buyer journey, what were people saying? In this phase, what were they saying? In this phase, what were they needing? What did they not get? And that allows us to then start literally copying and pasting that messaging over into emails, outlining. This is where we'll start to outline a sequence and say, okay, what do people need to learn in email one? Let's say of a welcome sequence or email two or email three. And from there, the emails practically rate themselves because we've got all of this voice of customer data that you can lift out and then place in the right spot. And you just add the copy around it. It's really true. I say, we don't even write the copy. Our clients, customers write the copy. We just know where to put the messages. Yeah, that's so good. And I like what you said about spending more time researching than writing Mm -hmm. because think that was a mistake I used to make so often in my copywriting career is like, I would jump right into writing because it was just like, I need to get this done. And then you yep. can just hold back and just spend that time researching the writing flows so much more quickly and it happens fast. And you feel, you don't feel like you're struggling and grasping for information. Mm-hmm. And right, then I- how much harder is it to sit there and be like, Oh, I can't think of anything. Oh, what should I say? Oh, I don't know. This doesn't sound good. Yes. Yes. And what I would do, what I used to do is like put so much on the page and then have to go back and work through it. Like mm-hmm. there's just making it so much harder for myself, of course, but I really like what you said about finding out how customers are articulating their problems and kind of just when, when you put something, when you put someone's pain points, problems, desires, that's step one. But when you can put it in their voice and see how they're mm-hmm. phrasing it at the exact moment that they made the decision to buy, that's when people start responding to your emails. Like, you are in my head. This is exactly yes. what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. And and it all it is is practice. I know listening to that, if you're new to the research phase or you've been doing it for a while and maybe you've not been doing interviews or other elements to it, these are all pieces, again, that I like layered into my actual process. I didn't start out week one doing all of these things. So if you just start doing it, you will become more adept and then you'll get more practice as you do it for clients and just get better and better at it. For sure. This is an aside, but how are you using AI in your business right now? Oh, great question. Okay. So I've got AI as my right-hand person for all things, assistant research, helping with idea generation, but not within the studio actually. So I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that the capabilities of ChatGPT and other platforms just aren't there yet. I'm slightly relieved, but on, on the disappointed part, it's more so that I think a lot of people jumped on AI immediately and thought this is the answer to my problems. You saw companies letting copywriters go, letting freelancers go. And at the end of the day, you can tell, I actually saw an article today and I was reading it with Dale and I was like, God, this sounds weird. And I didn't even connect the dots. He did. He was like, this was written by ChatGPT. Like 100%, you can tell in like the sentence structure and especially word choice. Like that's just a little hint for you. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) ridiculous word choice in there. So 
while AI is amazing and I'm using it a ton in my business, I'm not using it to help me write the copy because it's just not there yet. I hope in the future it is not to put us out of work, but to allow us to be more of the human connection to it and allow us to be more strategic in our roles. I think that you're going to see a huge boom in the future of copywriters really helping on a consulting and a strategy level that previously did more just done for you writing. So it'll be great to see some of those copywriters step up and out and establish themselves early in that, that field. So here's a hint for you to start doing that before ChatGPT5 comes out. But otherwise I use it for like our podcast, for example. I don't know if you're familiar with Cast Magic. I use that a lot. I use ChatGPT. Cast Magic is great. It is a platform actually using ChatGPT in the background that uploads any audio files. So even if you're listening and you're not a podcaster, but you would like to take like, let's say customer interviews or um, a video or an interview you did on somebody's podcast, you can upload it to Cast Magic and it'll break it into content for you. It'll write your episode descriptions. It'll give you title ideas and you can give it custom prompts. It's really great. And they're doing a lot more with the platform this year. So we're using tools that are a little bit more niche like that, that can get the groundwork, you know, laid for us. And then we can go in and do our revising to put the KC touch on it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I have to write that down. Cast magic because yes, I just, even for all copywriters listening, like I know I was working actually for a podcast. I was writing like show notes for them. Mm -hmm. I was writing, I was repurposing their episodes into social posts. So even just to expedite that process, instead of sitting yes. there listening to it is like huge. Yeah, it is huge. And you know what? Like every once in a while, I would say one in like six or one in eight. I'm like, this is not usable. But the rest of the time I'm like, oh, that's that's great. I can just go in and I can revise this for voice and word choice. Yeah, that's key is that as valuable as it is, it requires a lot of human oversight. It really does. I agree with what you said where there was a frenzy and I just think it has fallen short of maybe what we initially thought it would. Like it didn't mean- mm -hmm copywriters the way we thought it would but it I think also helped us in ways that we didn't expect as well so spot I, on. yeah I agree with you on that talk to me about how you work with freelance copywriters aspiring writers and it seems like you work with higher level copywriters who are a little bit more progressed in their career talk to me about all that Yes. So we do, we help a range of people, but we've really sort of simplified our offerings over the last year, just due to capacity and the, the way that we want to be able to serve in a deeper way for people. So we have our mastermind. This is the highest level way to work with me. If you're a copywriter, and this is really for the copywriter who's earning a minimum five, but oftentimes more so okay than that in their business per month, but they're ready to start scaling. So scaling by definition is being able to take and multiply something. So this doesn't mean just bring on more clients, but they're ready to maybe grow an agency. So instead of working one-to-one, -one, be able to work in a one-to-many capacity, or they are wanting to, like one of our gals has a membership with loads of women inside. She wants to scale the membership even more so, and she's on track to do that and, you know, build it into seven figures is on her revenue plan. So being able to take her knowledge and share it with others in a way that, she, she never could if she was just doing it with one-to-one -one work. So it's the same thing she was doing with clients, but now transposing that into a membership or a course model. We have another gal who's doing that high-level consulting. She's specifically niching herself as the option against AI. So instead of putting everything into AI and having having this lackluster content come out of it, really getting the strategy and that human touch in place and then allowing your team to be able to utilize AI as a tool to save time and productivity. 
So in more of a growth sense than scaling, she's going to be working with much higher level companies and businesses and earning a lot more in a one-to-one capacity being a consultant than just a done-for-you copywriter. So that's really what we do on that side of it. But then we serve people in several different ways through courses and master classes. So those are like really my favorite doing any kind of teaching. I wonder if you feel the same way. It's just like, bread and butter, right? I love being able to marry the copywriting and the teaching together. So we've got that side of it. And then really just there to support people getting up to the point of the mastermind. That's my goal is like, I want you to be in the mastermind one day. Like, how can we get you to that point where you're making five, 10, 20 K a month and you're ready to scale your business? Okay. So you have like a more of a foundational course that gets people up to speed of how they can be making that consistent revenue. And then okay, here, how do we scale? It's so interesting because you would think that when you would think that getting from zero to 5k to get beyond that, you just keep doing more of what you're doing, but mm-hmm. it's not. So it sounds like what you're teaching is like, Hey, it's time to take a different approach and offer some non-writing services, correct? To scale. Yeah. Yes. And no, they can be writing specific. And, and most of our gals actually still offer done for you, but they're shifting the way that they're doing it. So they have a junior copywriter helping them while then she can now run the membership. She doesn't want to run an agency, but she also wants to still have a hand in some of the done for you work. And if that's bringing in revenue, that's bringing in, you know, 20 K consistent months for her. Well, let that sit here while you build up this other side of it. So Sometimes it's with on free work. Sometimes it's not. We have another gal. She's growing an agency, like a massive agency. So it really depends on what you want for me. I like having my little micro agency. I like having my educational products and being able to work with people more intimately. But you're right. We do have a foundational course. It's called Elevated Brand Accelerator. It teaches the three things. Email marketing is actually inside of that. Brand authority and Lux client experience that helped me grow to my first six figures in my first year. And the second piece of that was day rates. So getting a lot of your time back is so important if you want to grow past 5k. Like that's what I learned really early on was projects can take forever. So for me, day rates became like my ticket to time freedom. And I ended up doing a day rate schedule where I worked on one day rate a week, high ticket day rate that pulled in the same amount, actually pulled in more than my non-day rate prices were. And it allowed me to spend four out of five days a week on my own business. I think that's That and my email list are the only reasons I'm talking to you right now today, because it just gave me the ability to actually grow this thing. And I don't know how I would have if I was in projects 24 seven. So you have to find a way to free up your time. It might be day rates. It might not be. There are other things that you can do, but if you can find a way to free up your time, then get to that next stage and then eventually, you know, scale and get out of done for you work if that's what you want, or just do it in a different way. Explain what a day rate is. I know you posted on your story, I believe today about that, if I saw correctly, what is a day rate? Okay. So day rates, essentially packaged up. It's a service that you complete in a day. Now I'll put that in air quotes because there's some flexibility around this. And I know for me, I, like I mentioned earlier, don't like commitment. I don't want to be tied down to having to do one thing. I know we've also had a lot of students do day rates who have children, and it's not possible to always know exactly what's going to happen in your schedule in a day. So I use the term loosely, but essentially a day rate is you completing, and for the sake of the conversation we just had, an email sequence for a client in a day. So they might hire you, they might pay you $500, $1,000, $4,000, depending on your skills, experience, and what you're delivering in a day. 
that's amazing, right? Imagine if you just needed to have a few day rates lined up to work with clients in a quick and snappy project and then turn that back around to them. One of the things that we do in, this is actually still our most popular service, I should say, in the studio is day rates. So one of the things that we do is we also do multi-day rates. So if we have a project that's actually longer than a day, I might do two days or three days, but it's still condensed and we're not necessarily doing as intensive of research as we'll do on full projects. So little disclaimer, primarily because we talked about research earlier. And so, you know, you can still do some research with a day rate. There are ways that you can do it, but primarily your goal is to make sure that if you're going into a day rate, you have the information you need to complete the project. It might not be mean that you need all of the research, the interviews and everything about a brand in order to tackle their email sequence or their sales page, for example. For clients that come in and they don't have any of that to share with us, then I'll recommend them do a full project and we'll do the research and make sure we get that foundation for them. Yeah. It sounds like to offer a day rate, you need to be pretty niche specific because you need to have a lot of existing knowledge about that person's industry in order to offer that service that quickly. Yeah, I would definitely say so. And this is helpful if you're niched and you're just working in a similar industry, then it becomes second nature to you. So here's another reason to niche. I know we're always resistant to it, but it's also really helpful if you narrow down your deliverables too. If you're offering everything under the sun, like we talked about at the start of this conversation, it's going to be really hard for you to A, sell everything um, in a day rate and be like, well, you could get this or this or this. But if you say, hey, get your sales page done in a day or in a week, then it's all of a sudden much clearer of a promise to your end user and just easier for you to become better and better at it. For sure. We'll end on this. So your program, you mentioned three components. There was a client experience component. There was a personal branding component. And then what was the third one within that program? The basics of email marketing, actually. Basics of email. Okay. That Mm -hmm. sounds like a really interesting program that my audience listeners would be super interested. So you basically break down, like, here's how to write emails and grow an email list, I'm assuming. Essentially, yes, it's more so uh, under the email spectrum, it's more so like email 101 for a copywriter wanting to get started. So I have a more in-depth email course called Ignite Your Inbox. So that really breaks down individual emails, voice, how to write it, how to structure it for your listener. So if you want to learn how to write emails, that's the one for you. If you want to just get started and kind of learn as you go, or maybe you've already been sending some emails and you just want to get a little more strategic with what you've got going on, then we cover the basics of the sequences that you need inside of Elevate brand accelerator. So a lot of times people end up doing both. So elevated brand accelerator is like you said, helping with the personal branding side of things, building your authority and just getting known. Like that's all we need to do is just the traffic exists, getting you to stand in front of it basically. And then IYI, the email course is more so if you are just ready to go headfirst into email and let that be your zone right now, then that's, you know, for you. Yeah. I teach cold pitching via LinkedIn and a little bit of email in my course and personal brand building is the number one like request I get from the people who enroll in my course. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I cover because it's not something I've done a ton of for my own copywriting business. I've relied so heavily on cold emailing. So I think anyone listening right now, or even my students of my course who are listening right now would love to learn about, especially that personal branding aspect of your course. What do you talk about in that element? Is it just like how to write social posts, how to get yourself out there? What do you cover in that portion? Great question. And it's so funny because there's two different ways, you know, you can go about it and then they can complement each other. Like I didn't do a lot of cold emailing in my experience, but I've allowed that to complement things that I've done later on and, and vice versa. So when, when coupled together, you could just multiply it in terms of the course itself. 
the focus primarily is first on just giving you an overview of where you're going with your business, you know, getting out less of a freelancer mindset and more of a business owner mindset and starting to say, okay, well, if I'm running a business, we all know, like it is about to be 2024. Like you need a personal brand or you need a brand, whether you want to be the person behind it or not, you need a brand. And so really answering first and foremost, the question of what do you want to be known for? And that goes back to our niching conversation and really just deciding where you're going to fit yourself in the market, right? What are you going to be known for? What do you want people to think when you enter a room? And most importantly, what do you want them to say when you're not there, right? Oh, I know like Christine is our number one for teaching us how to do cold emails. Like she is my go-to for that. You want people saying that when you're not there and referring their friends your way. Same thing with our copy clients, right? So that's first. Then we really go into primarily first building visibility. So visibility is often the thing we shy away from. We are like, okay, sure. Like I'll write some LinkedIn posts or I'll send a cold email or whatnot. But we often don't want to put our own faces out there. And that was probably one of my big struggles with my first failed writing business as well. It's like, I did not want to be attached to it. I didn't want my friends to see what I was doing. I was so embarrassed to be putting myself online. As soon as I let go of that shit is when I then was able to have my blinders up, just do me and actually start growing a business. And then people were like, oh, wow, look, great job growing a business. The same people I was worried about what they would think. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day anyways. Dale and I always say silent thoughts of other people. You do you, get yourself visible. And so this looks like simple, small things that you can do to grow your network, to get out there. And some of that is social content and social is like really important. And it's a free tool that we all have at our disposal to get our business going. But then a step further is starting to think about how can we build authority? Like visibility is me just showing up, but authority is somebody seeing me as a reputable source on a particular topic. So what can I do to build authority and starting to put some regular practices in place to build that authority, you know, as you continue to grow your business. So we focus on that. Some of the options inside, like we go into things that you can do in terms of like even co-hosting your own summits, like small summits online. You want to go big, you can do that too. Getting on podcasts, starting to connect and network with the right people and especially your social marketing and then your email marketing and just building in the lead flow for your business and allowing people to come into your world. And it always comes back to the email list. That's why we do that last in the courses. So everything is funneled up until that point to your email list. That sounds like an amazing course. I'll definitely drop the link down to that below. Tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you. Awesome. So my handle is crystal.church. It's K-R-Y-S-T-L-E dot church on Instagram. That's where I primarily hang out and you'll see me on stories most days. And obviously like sharing a bit of the behind the scenes life of Mauritius, but then also copywriting too. And then come and hang out with me in my newsletter. If you want me to critique your copy, it's called the copy classroom newsletter. You can go to it at crystalchurch.com forward slash copy classroom. And we take submissions from our actual subscribers and then we'll review it and give you our best tips for you to move forward with your own messaging. If you don't want to actually pitch it, you don't have to either. You can just learn from other people's submissions as well. That is a super valuable resource. I'm very excited to, to drive some traffic that way because that's super, that's something that's missing in the marketplace, like you said. So I know everyone's going to run to check that out. Oh, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you guys. Amazing. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you.